You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to Collective Cafe To Go. This is the podcast version of the Collective Cafe. Now, the Collective Cafe happens every single weekday, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Alpha Collective's Discord server, discord.gg forward slash alpha collective. It is free. It always will be free. There are no strings. There is no bait and switch. If you like to listen live and even participate, come onto stage, comment in our back chat, you can do that. Whether you're on the treadmill, getting the kids ready for school, getting yourself ready for work, commuting into the big bad city, or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom into your home office. On Monday, we manifest. On Tuesday, we talk thought leadership. On Wednesday, we have guests take the stage, almost like an open mic. On Thursday, we do live book reads and discussions. And then on Friday, it's No Agenda Friday, where there is no agenda. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption. So give us a subscribe if you're listening on the podcast or come and attend one day. Remember, it is a safe, welcoming space and you will never, ever be put on the spot. This is the Collective Cafe to go. Well, good morning. Good morning. It is it is June 1st, everybody. June 1st. It is, can you believe it? It is the sixth month. We are we are almost coming. To, well, we're almost finished the first half of the year. That's a little bit insane if you think about it, but it is the perfect time to think about uh, coaching. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, it's like it's a very bad segue, but um, but today we start. It's Thursday, and uh, we are doing um, a live read for the whole month of June, and maybe a little bit of July because I'm away next week, and and Matt, uh, the author, who I'm going to be bringing up um, in uh, a moment, um, we're going to be going through this book. I have been thumbing through the book. I'm super super excited. Uh, to start um, this book and and have a discussion and uh, Matt, you're gonna love you're gonna love the whole process. Let me tell you, it's a it's a great process. It's it, this is this is how I read books now. From from now on, this is the only way I read books. Um, it doesn't mean I'm gonna get through the entire book, but like I learned so much from going through Groundswell in May. I I loved it, um, and of course, in many cases, I am gonna go and finish the actual, you know, and finish the actual book. Um, so I'm going to bring you up in a moment, just a couple of quick updates. There's a, there's a lot 
there's a lot going on at the moment. Um, there, um, uh, yesterday we had Shira Lazar, our second alpha beta talk. I'm going to have that summary up and uh, and and uploaded on YouTube, um, etc. Some really really great uh, insights uh, coming through there. Um, what else is go- what else is going on? Um, I have a call with the CEO of Poap, the founder of Poap. So we're going to, I guess, try and figure out if there is a, a if there's a solution. Um, I was hoping to have a Poap for today. I was hoping to have a Poap for Shira. Um, but I'll remember the people that were here today. And so if we if there is going to be a Poap then maybe what we will do is we'll figure out a way to get it uh, to you. You know, I, I, you know what I love? I, I love the fact that, that there are always, always are problems, right? Uh, but there also are always solutions. Um, there was a beautiful quote from yesterday with, um, with uh, Shira, um, which is, um, and it was like, you know, what I loved about it, it was like a kind of complete tag team. Uh, she said something, and then I said something, uh, and together we actually created something. It was uh, it was it was beautiful. Uh, you know, when uh, when two thought leaders come together, they can create a beautiful uh, uh, thought leadership baby, um, <laughs> something like that. Um, so I'm going to tell you uh, what the quote was, um, and and then we'll get into into the book. And I kind of figure out a way that I want to do it today. Um, so Matt, I'm going to bring you up uh, in a moment. I just want to tell you the, the, the quote that we kind of, uh, um, she said, Web 2 was a solution to an evolution. Um, and I said, I said, Web 3 is a solution to a revolution. So we like actually co-created that quote together. Web 2 was a solution to an evolution. Web 3 is a solution to a revolution. So how you like them apples? All right, Matt, I'm going to bring you up to the stage. Um, come on up, come on down, come on up. Uh, I'm also. Am I here? Yeah, you are. Right. You're a little soft, but uh, we can. How are you doing? I'm. Uh, I'm good. Thank you. I'll put the mic by my face. Uh, generally, face is better. Mouth is even better than face. Um, but uh, I think there you're you in. The, you're in the right domain. So, Matt, you are on the show. Um, we discussed this is coaching. We discussed being uh, warriors of love. We discussed uh, the concept of clients will break your heart. We're going to go through uh, a lot of these concepts. Um, and the way that we're going to do it is uh, is uh, you can just sit back and relax and and hear like the narration of your of your book by me. Um, of course, if you want to um, read it, you can. But uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna kind of like get through it and uh and then stop at times you can jump in at any point so should should we start yeah go for it and i i feel like i interrupted you when i popped in so feel free to make any other further announcements no 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 um uh, do not do not only practice your art but force your way into its secrets she deserves that for only art and knowledge can raise man to the divine said Lud- ludwig van beethoven um, so that's how the book starts. Fare fort über nicht allen de Kunst, sondern drink uch in ihr inners. Sie verdienst es dun nur de Kunst und die Wischenkraft erhogen den Menschen, I know what Mensch is, uh, bis zur Gottheit. 
Um, so there you go. You've got it in, in, in two different languages. Matt, before we begin, just, just give us the, you know, as people are coming in, hello to Christopher and Bez and Jonathan and Rini. Um, as more and more people come in, certainly people are going to come in from your community as well, and we welcome them. I've seen a few people um, join the Discord over the last few days. Um, tell us a little bit. Give us, give us the, uh, the TLDR of the book. Um, this is the book that I wish that I had had when I was a young coach. Um, I didn't do a formal coach training. Um, essentially, I was speaking on some leadership topics, leadership, uh, mindfulness and leadership. And uh, as a, in true marketer fashion, um, I put on my website that I would do coaching. And someone once asked me to coach them after a, um, a speaking opportunity. And I said yes. And then as I detail in the book, I literally Googled how do I onboard a coaching client. So for the first year and a half of my life as a coach, I didn't know if I was actually, quote, coaching. And I um, asked friends for books on coaching. And I got a lot of, um, I got recommendations on, on self-help philosophies, but I didn't really get much on what is the actual process of coaching without some sort of framework because I, I didn't I knew I was not going to follow a simple framework uh, or just kind of be stuck in a box and um, so one day last year this book came to me and and that's what that is it's, it's the book that I wish that I had had it's also a book I'm going to continue to return to because it's some really foundational principles that I think we can all work on every day of our lives whether coaches or not I love it. That's a good. That's a good uh, start, and um, and now we know kind of a little bit about the why behind the book. Um, you've uh, what I like about in the beginning of the book is you um, you you talk about uh, some seemingly impossible goals. Uh, number one is to connect a coach to every founder in the world. Number two is for every coach in the world to be masterful at the craft. Number three, your ultimate vision is if the first two weren't big enough, a world in which every human has the skills and being, uh, and being of a coach. So I guess it's this idea of, you know, teach, uh, as the quote would go, teach a man how to fish and they'll never be hungry um, again. Um, so um, you want to just touch on each one because, I mean, they, they're, they're interesting ones, right? To, to connect a coach to every founder in the world, uh, for every coach in the world to be masterful at the craft and then a world in which actually you don't need coaches because everyone actually is a coach or their own coach. Yeah, the first two lead to the third. The the um, a lot of what I do in the world is I have this this grand idea, and then I think, what are some of the ways that we might be able to get there, and how can I contribute? So the the ultimate vision of everyone having the the skills, tools, and being of a coach is imagining that. Each of us, as humans, um, um, are intentionally committed to our own growth and transformation, to becoming adults in many ways, to uh, our fullest expression or supporting the expression of, of others and of the world, being really curious, um, courageously acting in the world and courageously taking a look at our habits and patterns that both uh, that don't serve us at some point and don't serve the world anymore. Um, and that's not a thing I imagine will happen in this lifetime for me, but I just, I just imagine um, what the world would be like as that happens and 
kind of the the end result to that people ask me often is I, I imagine you know, I mean first of all the reason that I'm here with you and have joined the uh, the collective is that I see what is possible when we as humans have more ownership and more responsibility for everything and and when I say the being of a coach that's fundamental there and so we can revolutionize capitalism we can revolutionize our healthcare system we can revolutionize what the financial system looks like we can revolutionize all of it i believe if we have the courage to live in this way in the way that i offer in the book and um and then the other two impossible goals kind of stem from there which is like the reason that i'm looking at founders is i'm thinking that you know when i look historically or at least especially since the internet um sort of blew up is that the companies that are being started right now are going to be the companies that shift our culture in the great to the greatest degree over the next 10 to 30 years. And so if we can reach those leaders right now when they have 1 2 3 10 20 employees before they have 50,000 we can make a tremendous impact. And that that doesn't even include then the people who uh, are in that organization when it's really small and then go into the next version of of the next startup. And if we can have them have be this type of leader uh, before they start that company. I, I just imagine the ripple effect. And then secondly, why have every coach be masterful? Well, because if we have shitty coaches, then they're not going to make much of an impact. And so um, I believe that coaches get the responsibility of modeling this type of being, this type of living, um, so that the people that we support uh, understand what it's like. They can see it. And, and again, from there, uh, we can make a bigger impact. So there really, there really are two very important points there as we start to get into the book. One is this idea that there are, uh, these are like hypotheses and they're very important ones. One is, and, and I think they're both, they're not even, you know, they're not, they're, they're, they're more, more like fact-based. I mean, I don't think you need to go and prove them. I think they're almost factual. First of all, being that many companies are going to fail because the founders are not equipped with what they need and the skills and uh, de facto the, the coaching that they need to succeed. And secondly, um, that doesn't mean just because there's a coach that they're going to succeed because a bad coach is, is, you know, I mean, one might argue the hypothesis would be if I was doing a thesis, it would be that uh, maybe I'll just ask you the question, what's worse, no coach or a bad coach? <laughs> I mean, I guess I'd say a bad coach, but I don't want to be the guy um, who is promoting something that isn't super high quality and excellence. Th those two things are two values that I really live by. And so um, for me, it's, uh, what it, how, how I got here is that I was in a men's group a couple of years ago and I was declaring this impossible goal. And one of the men looked at me and was like, well, what does it matter if all the coaches are crappy? Like, you can't guarantee every coach is good. And I was like, well, I, I actually assume that, that excellence is built into this model. And if it's not ex explicit, I might as well make it explicit. And so that's how, basically, how Impossible Goal Number 2 was formed. I also like this idea of impossible goals as opposed to, you know, the BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goal. Um, because I, I guess by definition, the impossible goal says um, you're not going to achieve it. Um, but that doesn't mean you're not going to try, and you may get close. Um, and uh, I've actually kind of start, started to learn that idea, which is, which is actually a very powerful idea, 
which is this idea that says, um, you know, that says you you're never going to get there, um, but you but you're gonna but that doesn't mean you're not going to try. It's 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 a weird concept, yeah, but but it actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and and as we get into the reading, we'll talk more about this idea of commitment and commitment in, in itself is. I think impossible goals lend us to that view, this type of view of commitment, which says that even if this thing never happens, am I willing to show up in pursuit of it every day? Am I willing to become uh, the person who has made it happen? And for me, it's it's um, it's a spiritual practice because it's it's like living life in an inquiry instead of an answer. It says, who is the person who has made this? If I were committed, what I, what would I do? If this thing happened in the world, if every coach was masterful, how would things look? And again, am I willing to show up in that question on an ongoing basis? Well, you're a, you're a little bit more eloquent uh, in the book because you basically say coaching is a big f-ing deal. Uh, so <laughs> but then you also but then you also talk about this uh, the spirituality, which I'd never heard before in my life about it. You know, you said coaching is an extremely powerful force when put to good use. It sheds light on what is otherwise dark, opens doors we've closed without knowing, reveals strength and abilities we've long forgotten, and provides a sense of belonging in the times we struggle to find it. Coaching can connect us to our humanity and divinity all at once, helping us to forge a new version of ourselves, more curious and capable and confident it can also be quite painful as we dissolve our old self in the process of creating a new. I guess the final point I'll say just as we kind of move through these first pages is um, if I had to like throw out a few different uh, titles or a few different personas, the keynote speaker, the teacher slash the professor, um, the therapist, um, the coach, where like how do they all reconcile together because uh, how does that what does that continuum look like because you know for me i i almost see the coach especially starting to read this as they are a little bit of a therapist um not in terms of lie down on the couch or whatever but it's this idea of of um you know um uh, i th- i think this person i need to fire this person should i fire them and then I almost feel like the coach is like a like a like a like a psychologist to say I don't know should you should you fire them they like turn the question around they're facilitators they are it's like tai chi the coach is not the person and jump in and tell me if you disagree with this the coach doesn't seem to be the smartest person in the room the coach doesn't the coach is not responsible to say here's the answer I'm the you know everything will be revealed um, the coach is facilitating and almost just directing the energy back to um, the person that is being coached or a team, a leadership team, to help them come up with the answer because the answer was always in them to begin. It's 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 very Wizard of Oz, right? The answer was always inside you. Do you agree, disagree? How, how would you reconcile those different roles? Or, in fact, is just a coach a little bit of everyone? Yeah, well, I think you nailed it. Um, so when I think of those ro- those roles, there's some of the spectrum that you 
in that, and I really love the spectrum of keynote to teacher to therapist to coach. Um, on the left side, those first two, they have much more of their own agenda. They say, there's a thing that you need to learn or thing that you need to do. The coach shows up and says, actually, you drive the bus. You tell us what you need to do. Um, so, so that, that primarily I think, I think is, and that distinguishes, you know, I am, I'm a proponent of leaders being coaches, having coaching skills and fundamentally business leaders, they have more of an agenda, like a keynote speaker or something, right? They say, I've set the strategy or the goals and, uh, my job is to support you into becoming the person who makes those happen. Um, and you're exactly right on, on turning questions back around. And the difference that I see between coaching and therapy, and sometimes that line can be very, very blurred, to be clear. And I I actually know a number of therapists who are starting to do more coaching work. Um, often therapy remains, or starts at least, in the realm of what happened uh, or what are we looking at that you're not at this point operating at baseline. Um where you can't even get to the point where you're thinking about sort of future goals or how you want to be next because there's something generally from your past that's impacting you from even from living the life you want right now. And again, this is this is a very squishy line, but generally the 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 focus of therapy tends to be more backward focused where in coaching is more forward focused. You are here and you want to be somewhere else. And those are often, you know, the, the very simple, I mean, that's what we're going to get into. Uh, it almost seems in a way oversimplified, this idea of, you know, X marks the spot. This is where you are. This is where you were. This is where you wanted to be. Uh, this is how you're going to get there. In fact, uh, in fact, let's start off with, um, with coaching is GPS navigation. Uh, part one, navigating our life. Imagine you're in your car ready to drive somewhere you've never been before. You open up the map app on your phone and it offers you a known set of steps to get driving directions. The first thing it shows you is a little dot of your current location. You click a button to get directions and it asks you where you want to go. Finally, you hit navigate and it shares step-by-step instructions on what to do to get where you want. Your GPS gives you three critical things. Where you are, where you want to go, and the steps along the way. Now, imagine a different experience with your friendly GPS app. You open it, and it asks you how you're doing, then waits for your response. Instead of having you choose a destination, it just starts telling you to turn left, then right, then drive straight. You ask that where it's taking you, and it says where you want to go. But where is that? And how does it think it knows? Unfortunately, that's how... Way too many coaching conversations go. Coaches so badly want their clients to leave feeling better with some sort of insight that they start coaching without knowing where they're headed or why. It's the trap of being someone who wants to help others. It comes from a well-intentioned place, but left unchecked, it's like getting directions to an unknown destination. It might feel fun and you might end up somewhere exciting, but you might as well be running in circles. We're going to continue this analogy of coaching as GPS navigation throughout the book, using it as a framework on which to build a set of tools. I find it's a concept people who have never been coached can relate to and an effective way for them to understand the experience. 
even better, it reminds me of my job as a coach so that when I sit with clients, I don't act like the weird app just giving random directions. The trick is the GPS framework is deceptively simple. It's only three steps, but each of the steps is infinitely expansive and nuanced. They never end for our clients or for us. That's the joy of being a coach. We get to spend our entire lives going deeper and deeper into this work, knowing that it's never done. We'll start with the two necessary components for effective directions, where you are now and where you want to go. The funny thing about human behavior compared to map directions is that these two are often intertwined. We consider where we want to be in relation to where we are right now and vice versa. As such, the teachings in those chapters may seem at times like they bounce back and forth. I'm simply relaying my experience as both a coach and a client when getting clear on those two things. There is an inherent tension and dance between where we are and where we want to be. It's challenging to identify what we really want without being able to rest exactly where we are right now. Similarly, spending too much time looking at where we are can get in the way of looking at what we want instead. So we dance. And so I've danced as I've written what comes next. I invite you to move to the music along with me. The majority of our time will be spent on these first two components because this is where the heavy lifting happens in coaching. Most shifts occur as we learn to clearly ask for what we really want and get really honest with where we are right now. That's powerful coaching. The final section, what's along the way, is probably what you imagine is most of the coaching process. That's what I thought. Don't rush there. Allow the lessons herein to unfold as intended. You'll notice that by the time you get there, most of the coaching has already happened along the way. So then in, in, there's a box. Uh, and in this box, well, I'll get to the box in a second. Um, you know, uh, a couple of things struck me there. First of all, this idea of tools. Um, that there are uh, a set of tools um, that that you know it's almost like uh, if a, if a, if a, a builder, a construction worker, a doctor, a dentist, a professional has a set of tools, and these tools are important. This isn't just talk, 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 talk. Um, there has to be walk, 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 um, and and tools and framework uh, happen to be one way to get there. Um, so uh, I kind of I, I just wanted to note that as well. Now the box says um, a warm welcome as you embark on this adventure. Welcome, fellow traveler. It's great to meet someone else on the path. What path, you ask? Well, the one you stepped in onto the minute you decided you were a coach. If you consider yourself a leader, you're a coach. Better get used to it now. It'll make the rest of our time together much more fun. Of course, you can step off the path if you like, but I don't think that's the game you're here to play. So then. What game or games are you playing? The game of coaching is a spiritual journey, the game of growth, the game of discovery, the game of moving closer to yourself in service of love. Those are the games a coach plays. Here are some of the rules of engagement I've picked up along the way. Feel free to add your own to the mix. You get to challenge everything you believe to be true about yourself, about others, about the world, and about life. You get to be wrong a lot, and you get to choose how you relate to that. You get to choose what it means about you, if anything. You get to choose your worth and worthiness. I hope you choose to accept and embrace it. You get to face your demons, your stories, your younger selves, your various parts, your integrated whole, your shadows and blind spots, and your perceived failures and victories. 
you get to let you get to let go of all of these or keep them it's your choice you get to get triggered you get to choose what happens next you get to choose how big you dream what's possible for you and what's not you get to choose where you're going and how you want to get there you get to choose your companions or lack thereof along the way you get to choose what success means for you you get to choose what it doesn't mean to you get to choose if success is a measure in your life you get to choose if anything is a measure in your life you get to choose how you spend your days weeks months and years you get to choose how much of your love power brilliance wisdom creativity joy and passion you show to the world you get to choose how much love power brilliance wisdom creativity joy and passion you let in from the world you get to choose what you stand for, what you value. You get to choose what you're a yes to and what you're a no to. You get to choose how you share those with the world. You get to choose how you respond to the world's response. You get to choose to grow. You get to choose to push. You get to choose to rest. You get to choose to be courageous. You get to cheat as much as you want to. You get to choose what counts as cheating too and how you treat people who cheat. You get to win. You get to lose. You get to choose what both of those mean. I hope you win. You get to choose what any of your choices above and so many more mean about you, the world, and the people around you. Most importantly, you get to remember that you're God. And there's a little asterisk uh, that says, make this word mean whatever you want it to mean more than anything i'm referring to the force that creates binds holds and gives life to everything i often call it love i'm not here to debate or press a religious agenda let your unique divinity speak for itself and you get to choose what that means for you i'm sure they're more oh and you can take them or leave them as you like it's your choice after all okay so there's a lot of interesting words here the first one is game right? You talk about a game, the game of life, gamification. That's interesting, right? That's interesting. Games are fun. Uh, Games have rules. Um, Games are, you know, not like it's rocket science, like we're saving the world. Um, Talk a little bit about, Matt, why why the word game? Why, Why game and not something else? I have a future book a few years out that will be about the games that we play as humans the more that i pay attention to human behavior the more that i see that we naturally gamify everything and of of course in web 2 land like that became the way to make sticky user experiences was to gamify stuff and the more i pay attention to how we interact and operate as humans the more i see that we're we're always making things into games. Um, We seek out rules, which means we try to figure out what we're allowed to do or not allowed to do. We have a particular idea of what winning means, of what success looks like, about what, um, how we know if we're on track to winning or not. Um, We use game language all of the time. And so it seems just sort of built into, I, I don't know, our DNA or, you know, something about the human experience that we gamify things. And we often are operating unconsciously or running these games implicitly without actually understanding what it is we're doing. We, we uh, are naturally trying to figure out the rules of operation. When I walk into 
school for the first time as a five-year-old or four-year-old. I'm trying to figure out how do people operate here? What does winning look like? How do I get praise if that's the thing that I actually value? How do I get praise from my teacher? Um, how do I make friends? Uh, how does this whole thing work? And um, so as adults, I find that we're playing all these games all the time. We have the, the, we have the game of economics. We have the game of business. We have the game of professionalism. Um, I think are that one of the jobs that I have as a coach is to help people to articulate and make clear the games that they're playing because they might think that they're playing one game. Um, for example, a business owner who is a father might think that he's playing the game of being a really good dad, but that comes secondary to the game of uh, looking like he's working really hard because that's actually how he derives his value. And um, so I think one of the things that um, just personally as a human that I'm, I'm pretty good at is helping to reveal the games that people are playing and so that they can actually see them clearly. And, and that's actually what it, this, this chapter is about. Hey, this is the game of being a coach. This is actually what's going on. This is what you get to do. And so this is the first time I start to mention game in the book. And of course, it just makes me think of the game of life, the board game. You know, it's actually called The Game of Life. Um, it is a game. The other thing is choice. Um, it's very important. I mean, it, 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 you can't miss it. Uh, you get to choose. You get to choose. You get to choose. Um, there's an element of empowerment there. But, I, you know, I guess a lot of people don't believe that. Or, or I'm not saying they don't believe what you're writing. I'm saying they don't believe that they have a choice. They don't believe that they are in control. They believe that they are on this uh, conveyor belt, this, uh, this kind of treadmill of life, and they don't control it. They don't control the speed. They don't control the cadence. They don't control the incline. They don't control the direction, but they're just on it. They're, they're kind of widgets. They're on this, you know, they're uh, almost, it's very matrixy. It's like matrixy on one hand, and it's kind of a bit woo-woo on the other hand, like with this idea of the spiritual aspect. Um, how important is this idea of choice in coaching for the most part and in this book? Yeah, uh, uh, me too all the time. I forget that I have choice. That's probably why I wrote this. Because I, I talk to myself as much as I talk to anyone else in the world. Uh, it's a really, con first of all, uh, I get it because of that. It's really, it's a really inconvenient idea that we have choice. Because what that means is um, suddenly I'm responsible, and I speak later that responsible is simply able, being able to respond. I, am, I, I suddenly have clarity that I have the ability to respond to literally everything in my life. And this is related to us articulating or making conscious the games that we're playing. Because if I, get, if I start to see the game that I am unconsciously playing all of the time, or all of the ways that I am actually making the world out there uh, resp uh, responsible or to blame for everything in my life, this is a lot more convenient way to live. And my assertion is that as coaches, uh, we're supporting people to have an, having an inconvenient life. Um, it's often a much better life. But once we have the the awareness and we can live every day saying, oh yeah, I actually get to choose this stuff, 
life generally gets a lot better. We generally get a lot more of what we want. And look, I might be completely wrong. We might be locked into the Matrix. Fate might drive everything. None of it might matter at all. Um, I, I just know which one I prefer and which one I think is a lot more fun. If I could pick one of these. Um, you know, like, if I... Uh, how do I say this? Yeah, like, if I could have one to say where, like, I get to have choice in my life or nothing matters at all, I and I get to be wrong about one of them, I would much rather be wrong on the side of I get to choose. I think I think also uh, what's interesting to me is is the fact that you make cho- first of all something that I was reading the other day. I've got to find the right uh, right quote, uh, but that actually talks about um, uh, indecision and indeci- and and indecisiveness. Indecisiveness is that the right word? I don't know if that's a real word. I'm just kind of re- thinking it. It is. Make- it is. Yeah. Indecisiveness. The that that. Most, in fact, in fact, there was a study that was done amongst people that small business owners that kind of like or 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 founders that failed, right, and found out that the one of the most one of the number one reasons, uh, or that they all had in common, were indecision, that they weren't able to make decisions quickly, decisively, um, and then on the flip side. They've gone and uh, studied millionaires and billionaires and uh, successful leaders. And surprise, surprise, one of their most powerful positive traits is decisiveness. So it's choosing, recognizing you have a choice, being empowered or empowering yourself to make the choice, and then actually making the choice and then living with it. So to me, those are your three parts, right? is know that you have the choice, make the choice, and then live with the choice. And the point about living with a choice is even if it's the wrong, the, the other interesting part about it is making the wrong choice quickly is arguably better than not making any choice or taking too long to make that choice. I wonder what you think about that continuum or that thought process. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. My, my fiance read a book when we were, uh, started dating about dating and so a lot of people who slide into the next stage of relationship um, which means they actually try to not make a decision for as long as possible it ends up in re- pretty unhappy relationships um, and so I, I love the point you're making and then the, the last thing that I would add on there is um, get feedback and and make another decision Right, so like even even making uh, one decision, we're not we're not done, <laughs> um, right? Like we we get the, and I think this is why why really successful people are really successful is they don't stop the decision making process after one time. They constantly are taking feedback, making observations, and they're willing to say, "Oh yeah, I was wrong," and then change it, and then they're willing to say, "Oh, I was wrong again," and then change it again. Um, or they're willing to stick with something um, based on the information outside. It, they might not get immediate the immediate response that they want, but they can use feedback from the outside world or inside world and say, like, actually, I'm going to stick with this decision. And they generally will have criteria for when they'll they'll make a, a, another choice. All right, so we're going to get into um, uh, 
We're going to move a little bit further in, 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 in the chapter, and uh, I'm going to read you a section that says, what happens in a coaching conversation? When we think of the coaching toolbox, the most commonly used item is the coaching conversation. Conversation is where the proverbial coaching magic happens. In the span of a few minutes to a few hours, we get to walk alongside our clients as they move through the process of identifying what they want, where they are now, and what sits along the way. During that journey, any number of things might happen. Feelings might arise, new dreams might emerge, and planning and preparation might result. I can't tell you exactly what happens in a coaching conversation. If I tried now, I'd be writing myself into a corner. Instead, after this little bit of level setting, what I'll do instead is offer my best guidance on how to set up the conditions for said magic that I believe is a natural byproduct of great coaching. Coaching helps us to create a new world, a new life that was just waiting to be imagined, a more complete version of ourselves. That's what we're doing. That's what happens. How do we get there? Well, that is a best that is best experienced in the moment what is the purpose of a coaching conversation let's ground ourselves more firmly into what i'm speaking of when i make the statements above and let's break down some common aspects of coaching conversations afterward we can get into talk of magic and spirit discovery and uh, that fun stuff tangibly four things generally exist in every coaching conversation and i would assert are a requirement for deep transformation. They are empowerment, possibility, enrollment, and commitment. Empowerment. Clients become empowered to create their own lives from their desires and dreams. Through the inquiry and guidance of a coach, they have the chance to spot the places in their life they're playing a victim or let others decide their choices for them. As they choose empowerment in more parts of their life, Things spiral upward and more freedom comes their way. Possibility. As clients choose to create something new in life, possibility emerges. It's the idea that something else might be available, something outside the scope of their current life or worldview, something that felt out of their reach until now. With possibility comes fear. Fear this might not work. Fear of losing the thing they imagined before even getting it. Fear of losing what they have now as they grow. Possibility and fear are traveling companions on this journey. What a great quote. Number three, enrollment. To realize this new possibility, new beliefs and actions are likely required. When clients are enrolled in the positive benefits of what they want and their own power to create it, they are more likely to shift those actions. They have to at least be open to believing in in themselves in order to transform. And finally, commitment. This is where the rubber meets the road. Commitment is coming from the place in which their vision is already true and acting accordingly. It's returning to empowerment, possibility, and enrollment over and over again on the way up the mountain. As coaches, we have a massive set of tools at our disposal to support clients in this process, some of which include deep inquiry, role play, semantic experience, reflection and mirroring, teaching, problem solving, accountability, motivation, and goal setting. Whichever of these you want to wield or any others, Have at it. Just know that any one tool is not what coaching is. Coaching is not something that is so easily contained. Coaching is a journey. It's a journey for you and your client in some direction with intention together. 
It's a process of discovery of what works and what doesn't, what's helpful and what isn't, what's real and what's imagined. Most importantly, it's a discovery of your client's hidden strength and divine truth. As far as I know, only two things are constant. Number one, there is no right way. And number two, you don't get to know what happens. And with that, off you go along your way. Coaching is a spiritual practice. When you signed up for the strange little lifetime as a human, you made a cosmic agreement. You would forget that you're God. You also agreed to forget that you signed the agreement. We all signed the silly agreement, and it has a bunch of silly downstream effects that cause us to do silly things and act in silly ways. So when your clients or you show up and play small, don't ask for what they want complain about stuff in their control, play victim to their circumstances, avoid the practices they've committed to, or do any number of things to sabotage themselves. Just remember, they've merely forgotten who they are. That's why they have you. Let me pause there for a second. This, this is a very different uh, take on this, on this home coaching, right? They've forgotten who they are. You know, they signed an agreement, they've done silly stuff. It almost seems like this idea of, again, they've lost their way, but they always had it inside. Um, I, talk a little bit about that word, forgotten who they are. I mean, have they really though, Matt? Or in some cases, have they just not kind of imagined who they could become? Or maybe it's a little bit of both. Yeah, this is coming from from the idea that when, uh, just what you and I talked about, when we um, have a belief, or even if it's for a half a second, a belief that the world is to blame or someone else is to blame what's going on for what's going on, or that we have no choice, um, that's when we've forgotten that we're actually the ones who. Uh, have have full choice and this is not to say that we get to control what happens outside of us this is to say you know this is the victor frankl quote um this is uh spiritual teachers for you know generations and centuries that remind us that we always have a choice that in in you know the moment between stimulus and response is our choice and that's what i call is a reminder of our divinity that's reminding us that we're god it's for anyone who's a meditator it's it's that like brief half half a breath work of awareness that um we have full space that we're connected to something bigger that we can actually get out of that crazy rat race inside of our brain uh, this is just my a different way of saying that that exact thing um bez uh gives a quote from tom landry a coach is someone who tells you what you don't want to hear who has who has you see what you don't want to see so you can be who you have always known you could be so that's a a, a, a different a different take um, so um, I guess the only thing I would add as we as we kind of continue the you know uh, in, in the time we have left is um, the word God is and I don't mean forget about the, the uh, I'm not going the religious thing but there are a lot of narcissists out there, right? There are a lot of bad leaders. There are a lot of, um, you know, you know, people who get in their own way, who are their own worst enemy, um, who are leaders and bad coaches themselves, who bring in a coach, 
Um, but the problem is that they are, you know, not authoritarians. They, uh, they are, sorry, they're not authoritative. They're authoritarians. They're control freaks. They're borderline narcissists. Um, God can be um, it, it, more like Icarus than God. Um, I wonder, I, I, I don't know if there's a question in there, but it's just more of a statement. Like, it's a word that... Um, that hopefully people don't take too literally, but I guess that's part of the problem is that there are people that are showing up thinking they're God and they're not. Uh, maybe maybe they're the opposite. Maybe they're dog versus God. So I just uh, want to get your take on that too, man. Yeah, be more like dog. Um, to- like I- I'll pull a little bit of religion. I think that that's a bit of a side effect of like this, um, the general like which can be sometimes a very dogmatic Christian idea of God, which is uh, an uh, authoritarian figure who is above all. And um, in that case, I would say they they still have forgotten who they are, which is connected to everyone. You know, and, and my idea of reminding folks that we're all divine beings is that we're all divine beings, that this this force connects all of us. And so likely that narcissism is a, a protecting factor is is a, a habit a pattern of beliefs that keep them safe likely they're afraid to see their own inadequacy they're they're afraid to see their own um the the places where they are imperfect and any number of things outside of that and and that's where coaching can really help is to um when they're open to it to to walk them into those dark places that they don't want to see so that they can, they can actually see the impact of that because we all, all of us on the call know the impact of narcissistic authoritarian leaders. That's why I got into this work. When I was in high school, I I worked with my mom who was in healthcare. And so you want to talk about people who have a God complex and in the, the sort of dogmatic version of that, like I saw them firsthand. And, and that's actually why I got into this work is if there's a crack, if there's an ability, an opportunity to say, hey, you don't have to do it this way and look at the impact this has on your staff and on your family and on the world, I, I just believe people will want to shift. Uh, I love that. Uh, you know, and, and, and we'll kind of move on, but but I do want to just add that point as well, which is, you know, when we think about even the concept of God, you know, God is, uh, you know, and, and again, you know, whether you're religious or secular, we're just talking, you know, if you're secular, we talk about it maybe historically, is this idea, you know, there's there, there's king, there's ruler, there's judge, there's, you know, parent, there, there are a lot of facets of it. Um, and it's, it's multidimensional. And I think this connectedness is, it's important to kind of like frame it that way. Um, so I'll just continue reading um, just a few more pages. As coaches, we get to remember and re-remember the truth. Divine love, wisdom, integrity, joy, abundance, and love, again, flow through us all the time in every way. We cannot escape it despite our faulty memory. We get to continue to move closer to our true nature with every client, every mistake, every breakdown and breakthrough, and every choice we make in our lives. Of course, walking this path is not a requirement for being a human. You can choose out just as easily as you choose in, but you chose in. You're a coach. So this is what we're doing. Welcome. When you invite your clients to consider what they want, you're speaking to their divine creativity and desire. When you choose to be a stand for them, having the things they want, you're relating to their divine power. When you lovingly challenge their old patterns, you're calling forth their divine wisdom, love, and grace. 
when you hold space for their emotion and breakdowns, you're giving love to their divine child and wounding. As you see them in this way, their divinity rather than their fears, you create room for them to heal. You're dispelling the human fog that tells them they're separate. You're showing them uh, their own godness. Um, And in doing so, you heal yourself. You see through your own fog. You tap into your own divinity, God seeing God, one recognizing itself in another. That's why we're all here. It's interesting because the next section says, I mean, we've gone through uh, this idea of coaching as a journey, coaching as a spiritual practice. Now we get into coaching as a full contact sport. And when we go back to that that quote that, uh, you know, that Bez put in, that Tom Landry, it almost seems like an antiquated idea. Like, I'm going to tell you what you don't want to hear. You know, do you, do you want me to tell you what you want to hear or what you need to hear? Um, there, there's a very different approach coming from uh, from you, Matt, in this particular case, which is like, hey, I'm not just here to give you the tough love, you know, the 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 coach on the sidelines, you know, the, the sport, uh, the sport analogy. It's a kind of a different one as well. Bez also writes, he says, people want to shift. People want to shift is what most of us would say is the obvious path. However, the downfall to most leaders is the lack of self-awareness. Most are walking around as a king with no clothes. Um, def- definitely have you comment on on Bez's point and also this idea of kind of like the, the tough love coach. Uh, so I, I view coaching as my, my version of coaching, I describe as 100% love and 100% challenge. So when we're talking about leaders, the, the leader with no clothes, they have likely have had a strategy of surrounding themselves with people who will say yes to everything. And so what happens is that eventually they get less and less and less feedback, true, honest, reflective feedback on what what's happening in their world. And um, so they only have people telling them what they want to hear. So I, I actually fully agree with Tom Landry saying, I'm going to say the thing you don't want to hear. And I think there's an opportunity to have that. That's a hundred percent challenge to bring it with a hundred percent love and a hundred percent love is one. I'm not going anywhere, no matter your response or your reaction, like whatever survival mechanism comes up, I got you Two, love says, I know you're strong enough to handle it. And so I'm going to continue to share that thing with you, knowing that, you might be afraid, you might be angry, you might not want to shift, but I know you can because, again, I, I can see your divinity. And, and so that's how I think about it as a coach. Now, we don't always show that really tough thing. We, we work with the client to understand when, when the time is for that and based on where they are. And, um, again, we release our own being right about it, but I'm committed to both of those at the same time. Yeah, I love those. I love those builds. I just uh, jotted down uh, a quote that I keep with me as well. Um, um, uh, Bez adds, Tom Landry was a beloved coach, uh, pretty even keel on the outside to most of us. He looks tough, though, in that photo. Um, my quote mm-hmm. was, leaders who don't listen will eventually be surrounded by people who have nothing to say. Andy Stanley. All right. Um, good chat. So coaching is a full contact sport. The Collective Cafe is a full-contact virtual coffee house. Uh, Being a coach means being committed to supporting clients in getting somewhere they've never been before, supporting them in shifting everything standing in their way of getting what they want, 
shifting everything standing in your own way of getting what your clients want. Living the life of a coach, leader, and transformational being, seeing what's possible and standing for its existence, even in the darkest of times, loving what is along the way. It's the most wonderful, literally full of wonder, creative, jaw-dropping, beautiful job in the world. It's a gift to be able to, uh, to, to bring that commitment to others, and it requires everything you've got. You're playing on the razor's edge. You are the man or woman in the, in the arena, marred by dust and blood. You and your client both are daring greatly when you sign up for this work. There is no hiding when you're supporting others to transform. There is no playing it safe when you're creating the impossible. That doesn't mean it has to be hard. The suffering is optional even if the growth is not. Oh, another good quote. You are a guest house. You can rest assured that your client's survival mechanisms, resistance, ego habits, and self-sabotaging patterns are going to come out. They're doing what they do, trying to keep themselves in the safety of their known bubble. And if you're doing it right, your same patterns are going to come out too, because you'll be working with clients who challenge you to show up as your best. If you're a people pleaser, your clients will question your love for them. If you're a perfectionist, your clients will point out the missteps in your process. If you're triggered by anger, your client will unleash a rageful storm on you. If your client's breakthrough is to stop thinking so much, you'll start thinking about how much they're thinking. If your client is creating a money breakthrough, your money patterns will hit you full force. Your job is to remain in the fray, holding boundaries, of course. No matter what your client brings, holding the door open to what else is possible for them. And your job is is to spot your own patterns as they emerge, continuing in your own work to integrate them. Welcome and entertain them all. They are guides from beyond, appearing to accompany you and your clients along the path of transformation. Your client's journey is your journey. When I'm struggling in my own development and with my clients, a common phrase comes out of my mouth when I talk to my coach. I just shared this lesson with my client. And there isn't a month that goes by without me muttering it. I'm entirely okay with that, right now at least, though I am less excited in the moment. It means that my clients are up to big things and I'm participating in my growth alongside uh, them. I just shared this lesson with my client. A couple of years ago, I I started tracking, as you'll see in a few pages, what my growth opportunity would be with each client I met. During my first call with a potential client, I now challenge myself to spot the breakthrough that they, as my client, are helping me to create. It's a forcing function of sorts. I love, the, I love those. And it invites me to look deep at those questions for both of us. What about their vision scares me? What do I believe is impossible? What part of their path am I assuming will be hard? Where am I investing pitfalls that aren't there? How do I want them to change? What parts of them am I not accepting and loving right now? What parts of them do I admire or pretend I don't have? How am I putting them or me on a pedestal? As I dig into these questions, I get to see my own growth opportunities. I get to bring light to the parts of myself I've obscured or tried to avoid. I get to engage in my own coaching process. Where am I now, really? Where do I want to be with a particular thing? What is in the way right now? With that, My client and I are now walking parallel paths, not only on their journey, but on my own. When I reach my edge in our work, I get to take responsibility for it and get back to focusing on my client. So it is for both of us. Um, I'm going to stop there um, today. And um, I'm just going to kind of like 
you know, also just add this this idea that it's it, it's interesting for me this uh, introspection, this idea of being on the same, uh, this idea of being on the same path, this idea of uh, almost you know it's almost like this idea that that they say a doctor uh, should never um, you know be, become connected to their patient, right? They should never form a bond or a emotional spiritual bond or relationship with their patient they need to stay detached and i think you're saying the exact opposite here right matt which is co- you you're you are inextricably linked you know it's almost like you know their pain is your pain their 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 uh you know their achievements are your achievements yeah it's part of the gig and you know this is maybe a distinguishment between therapy therapy because a lot of therapists are taught to be full blank slates completely out of the space. And my experience is that that's not, that's just not how it works. And so we might as well make it explicit and then, you know, use this idea of life is happening for me. And so if this client was here, again, I might be completely wrong, but if the client was here to teach me something for me to learn and and grow, what might it be? And um, if we get that established from the outset, I think we can have a lot more powerful of experience. Well, it is uh, it is nine a.m. and um, I hope uh, everyone that's here enjoy enjoyed this. I uh, see this growing and building momentum. We set a goal of twenty people in the room where it happens. Uh, we didn't hit it with our previous book, Groundswell. We hit maybe thirteen or fourteen. Matt, I believe. Um, first of all, thank you so much for your for joining the collective for talking so so highly i mean that's what i want that is my goal my goal is that the people that come into the collective don't look at it as my collective they look at it as as our collective as their collective and that's what it is it's a collective uh what you put in is what you'll get out um and um we're gonna have fun over the next uh we're gonna we won't be here next week um i'm away next week uh, ironically in a coaching uh, offsite, um, and uh, and but I'll and then Matt, I think there might be one or two weeks you're away, but uh, I promise you four four to five sessions will go into July. Why not? Um, and continue to learn how to be better coaches. I guess the thing I just leave with today is this idea of you know uh, what I learned when I when I uh, became a teacher is the best teachers are students and the best students are teachers, and so in this particular case. Um, I think the, there's this recognition. Your your third impossible goal may not be as impossible as you think, because the reality is, anybody in any position where they can teach, inspire, provoke, challenge, nurture, mentor is a coach. So a parent is a coach. You know, uh, a, a boss is a coach. Uh, a coach <laughs> in sport is a coach. We're all coaches if we are in a position to help one another. And, uh, and, and so I think that impossible goal is not only possible, it's probable. Thank you, my friend. I'm so excited to uh, spend more time with you all over the next few weeks. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.